Hello, and welcome to the Platform Podcast, hosted by Marketplace Risk's L. Tucker, a former journalist who writes, speaks, and consults on the sharing and gig economy. L. is also the chair of the Marketplace Risk Advisory Board. Please note, this podcast has been prepared for informational purposes and is not legal advice by the Marketplace Risk team or the presenters. The material discussed should not be construed as legal advice or a legal opinion on any specific issue. We urge you to consult a lawyer concerning your own situation and any specific legal questions you may have. Please contact us at info and we can put you in touch with the appropriate professional. And now, without further ado, I will hand things over to Al. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Platform Podcast. Today, I am delighted to welcome Mark Peterson, who is CEO and founder of Ziskit. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Elle. I absolutely appreciate it. We um, are well-versed in podcasts because we also co-host together the Gigging News. And so, obviously, I have chatted to you many times, but today I wanted to get you on the platform podcast podcast to talk really specifically about Ziskit, the app you're creating, and about some of the trust and safety and risk themes around that because it's, it's a complex idea. We'll get on to that shortly. First of all, I really wanted to find out from you how you discovered the gig and sharing economy for the first time and how did you get into this space because I know you're really immersed in it and passionate about it. So, so how did that first happen? Well, it's been a big part of my uh, my entire life. I think it uh, probably started in the DNA because it affected uh, my family uh, you know, back before I was even thought of. My father, when he was applying to college, needed a suit and didn't have one and put out a call to people in his local community through his church to see if someone had a suit that would fit him, shoes that would fit him, and a tie that uh, he could also wear. Though no one in his own church had those items, the word was spread to other churches in Marengo County. And by the end of that day, a gentleman roughly the size of my father came walking down the dirt road where he lived with my great-grandmother and brought the suit shoes tie uh, to him so that he could go and conduct his college interview and so you know gig and sharing and that was a I think a, a very good fashion sharing concept that was you know, long long before the terms were coined here um, you know globally or in the US market and that we've we've seen particularly in african-american communities where sharing models have been critical to to sustaining life uh, in in the communities. And you and I have had this conversation before where even civil rights leaders like Dr. King relied on sharing uh, in order to uh, enact social justice. He couldn't stay in many of the hotels, so he had to use Jack and Jill, a, a social club, to help find friends where he could stay in their homes whenever he visited cities where they planned to protest. And that was true even in Selma, Alabama. Uh, The ride-sharing option that we now enjoy with Uber and Lyft, where Dr. King used that same concept to boycott the Montgomery bus line 
and uh, provide ride sharing for every African American in Montgomery, taking them from home to work every day for a year in order to get that bus line to agree that Rosa Parks and anyone else could sit anywhere they wanted to on that bus. And so sharing has always been at the forefront, a passion of mine and a part of a part of my life. My last major startup, which uh, was a company called Pride Rock Holdings, uh, was launched in 1999, long before cloud computing, long before sharing was a concept uh, and gig work and task-based work was a concept. We built a fingerprint platform, which was installed at most UPS stores that allowed banks, brokerages, school districts, security guards to go into our server-based app, find the location and the UPS store owner because they had excess capacity, uh, excess counter space uh, to fingerprint for us on our proprietary software and submit to the FBI, Interpol, Office of Personnel Management, anywhere where the fingerprints needed to go, they would capture for us and our system would transmit. So they were very much task-based workers and we were able to deploy hundreds of these locations all around the world uh, and provide this service. And it was a benefit for both of us. Those UPS stores were struggling to make a profit when they first were bought by UPS because they were called mail, you know, mail parks centers or, or post office box locations. They bought a whole bunch of these and brought them under the UPS umbrella, but they were still franchisees and struggling uh, to make a profit. This gave them revenue that they could take straight to the bottom line because we gave them a turnkey, no cost solution. All they had to do is provide labor uh, that, uh, that uh, in the form of fingerprinting that we directed to them based on our platform. And I think for you more than most people, the watching the technology make these transactions easier must be, you know, me, you know, just well, I was say music to your ears, but that, you know, that, that's not the right word. But it just must be great to to observe technology oh catching God, up yes. because it's almost like oh what you've been waiting for, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. When I said we launched this this fingerprint platform, uh, things that people don't think about today we had to struggle with the size of a fingerprint record is roughly a meg um, in size a little bit over a meg in in 1999 we were still using dial-up modems and so trying to submit a record that size from a ups store location where they were using these modems to transmit data uh, that was almost an impossibility to the platform right there until we figured out ways to from a technology perspective to solve that problem. You know, we couldn't tie up their modems because that was a key source of revenue for their fax machines back in those days. And we had to work around that. You're absolutely right. There was no such thing as cloud computing in 1999 or 2000. So we built and maintained our own servers and hosted our server-based app and had to, uh, as we got more customers, figure out how to make that a 24 by 7 operation, no downtime, because we had players who were operating globally, like Bank of America on the platform. So yes, uh, watching the technology catch up with the concepts uh, has been a, uh, a joy to watch, uh, and it has opened up and created more value. And that's what you know makes me excited, because 
as I talked about with Dr. King and others, there are people all around the globe that have had these great ideas. They just didn't have the technology to monetize them. And that's getting a lot easier to do now. Uh, and hopefully we will see more of the democratization of economics, of value creation, as the technology enables these individuals who have great ideas. In the last couple of years, well, I suppose half a decade, you have seen this technology progress at pace. How did you then decide, you know, it, it must have been a sense that you're almost spoiled for choice because knowing you as I do, you're always full of amazing ideas. How did you then decide what to use this technology for? Because there were so many concepts out there in terms of democratising and the sharing economy. How did you land on on Ziska as being the next idea? What what inspired that? Well, you're right. Uh, when you look at the cost in 1990, 99 and 2000 to reach 10,000 or 100,000 people and share an idea with them, that cost could uh, put most startups out of business because you had to rely on traditional media in order to create a crowd around a, a concept. But with the new technology, the cost to communicate dropped down to almost zero. So if you had a compelling idea, uh, the use of uh, SEO hashtags and and other just simple technology gave you an opportunity to reach more people and get them engaged with uh, your solution. And that opened the door to some really fantastic concepts, like concepts where people deliver packages when they have uh, uh, an open seat in their car and they happen to be going in the same direction that that package needs to go. You couldn't do that in 1990 because you just couldn't communicate with enough people to make the platform viable. Now you can. And that encouraged me to think about the grocery store industry because people spend a lot of time looking for deals. They clip coupons, they go through flyers, and some people make as many as three stops at different stores just trying to keep their grocery budget uh, in alignment with uh, what they can afford. And that's not a really good solution, given that the platforms and the technology we have today can offer you a roadmap to where the cheapest groceries are and not have to sacrifice the brands or the, the types of items that you like. You just don't have that access or that information asymmetry that can solve the problem for you quickly until Ziskit came along. And so Ziskit provides that opportunity for you to uh, allow the grocery store to work for you in ways that they couldn't when the technology platforms like this didn't exist. So when you put your shopping list out there, everybody that has inventory and prices for that inventory can say, I want your business. And when they do that, it provides you the opportunity to keep your budget uh, in line or even lower the cost of your budget, depending on the degrees of freedom you allow yourself. So the more stops you're willing to make, the, the greater the shopping uh, distance radius, uh, the more stores you allow to bid on your grocery list, the cheaper your groceries can be. And uh, I know from growing up in 
my household, my mother used to make four or five stops and have all of these different flyers for the drugstore, for the grocery store, for the for the superstore, for the discount club, just trying to get the grocery bill in alignment. Ziskit will would have saved her a ton of time because all she'd have to do is put the items uh, on the platform and the stores will say, I have it and I have it at this price and I'm willing to even bid on it uh, in order to get your business. So, I mean, I love it when ideas from founders come from a real human experience and a you know problem that needs to be solved. How did you go from the idea in your head to where you are now? And, and tell me a bit about the stage that you're actually at. Yeah, so we, uh, we the, the idea, uh, as you well know, is uh, with a platform is that you have this kind of chicken and egg problem because to make this work, you have to have people who have this need uh, consistently, and then you have to have people on the other end who want to buy in to this change in the model. And, you know, grocery shopping changed dramatically back in the 1940s when Piggly Wiggly decided, I'm going to let people go into the store, pick their own items and check out at a POS. Uh, 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 and, and, and that prior to that, people came to the grocery store and gave a list to the, to the manager and the manager would pick the items and, and bring them back. And Ziskit gives us a chance to kind of shift and rethink how grocery retailing, grocery procurement uh, is, is done. So where we started was trying to figure out how this platform can best attack the biggest pain points, the friction points in the shopping experience, as well as on the retailer procurement, uh, stocking, restocking, and uh, demand management side. And if we could address those pain points in a marketplace type platform, we felt like we would have uh, the best opportunities to win. Because at, uh, at a certain point, you know, we would be uh, a valuable player to both sides, getting cheaper prices for the shoppers, but more importantly, managing demand for the retailers. And people go, what do you mean, Mark? When you go to an airline and, and put in your request to fly, many of them will give you four or five different options that encourage you to fly on different days in order to get a cheaper price. What they're doing is load balancing. They're shifting demand to when they can better serve you and give you a better price in reward for you shifting that demand. Ziskit is doing the same thing because grocery stores are struggling with this new surge in online shopping versus the people who walk in. They need someone to help them see demand on the left side of the credit card swipe. So before people actually buy and give them the option to shift to days when they can better serve them. That will save them a ton of money. It will make them procure better and it may even improve inventory turns, particularly when we start talking about pickup options versus putting this food on the shelf. If I can know the day you want to pick up, I don't have to take it from the truck to the shelf. I can take it from the truck straight to a locker where you will pick it up, giving me more shelf space to turn more items. So players that have struggled competing with Amazon or Walmart now have a plan through Ziskit to compete and be viable long term.
And I love that because that means communities can have players, diversity of players, and uh, return back to the days where we had more than just superstores dominating the landscape. So where we are now is that we have a full prototype, a full proof of concept that tests the end-to-end round trip of posting a list and having store prices returned based on the degrees of freedom you select for your list. And as we grow our user base, we can in, uh, we can encourage retailers to actively engage on the platform and bid. And, and our plan is to launch this uh, proof of concept in the uh, second quarter uh, and, and learn a lot about the platform before we start our MVP rollout in the third and fourth quarters of this year. How exciting. And just to focus in on trust and safety and, and, and the risk aspect of things for our audience, tell me, what did you factor in as some of the risk? Because what you've created here is something, you know, it's pretty pioneering. So you didn't really have a kind of playbook here, did you? So how, when when you were sort of considering the the risks involved for both sides of the marketplace what have you taken into account and and how have you planned so that these can be mitigated yeah we have uh, a lot of different potential uh liability points risk points within the uh, within the system the first being the products themselves during the pandemic we saw a lot of items in high demand that quickly stocked out uh, across a number of different players, some of it because of demand, some of it because the items never made it to the shelves. They were taken and moved into kind of the dark, dark economy uh, and sold through other channels to consumers. Some of those were legitimate items. Some of those were fraudulent items. And that uh, hurt both the consumers as well as the retailers in terms of lost sales. And that's one of the areas where we want to um, we want to stamp that out by focusing in on uh, the uh, verification of the players who are on the platform. So we do screening of the uh, of the retailers. We have a, a full-fledged uh, review process from the shoppers around the store and around the brands that uh, they uh, receive from those stores. So if people are trying to do a bait and switch or if they're providing knockoff brands that are being pushed as the labels or the brands that people want, all of that we hope to catch with our our, um, our scoring system that is uh, 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 you know, put both against the shoppers as well as as the as the stores. You know that for us is very critical. You know, some platforms privacy is the absolute number one issue. For us, if people don't get the brands they trust, they won't shop with us anymore. So we have to find ways to mitigate that. For our shoppers, we want to do like most sharing uh, platforms um, and provide them a, a no questions return or refund policy so that if you don't have the experience you want, you don't get the brands you've selected, we want to make you whole and encourage you to try again on the platform as we deal with those retailers who have not lived up to the expectations that we've set for them. So that's that's our biggest issue that we're um, testing with the proof of concept and the uh, the ways that we've tried to to mitigate some of those those 
problems so that people don't have to turn to uh, the uh, the dark e uh, grocery economy in order to find these these much needed uh, these much needed items. Mark, I've spent the last year or so recording these platform podcast episodes and talking to so many interesting people like you. And the backdrop to that has obviously, because it's been the last year, been the pandemic. So I can't not really ask you how that has impacted on Ziskit and your plans and whether there has been, you know, rough with the smooth and smooth with the rough and, and how, you know, how you've come through and how it's affected things. Yeah, it, it, it accelerated uh, the model. When we first uh, conceived of the concept, it was uh, 2012, 2013. We had uh, three different concepts we were building shortly after we sold uh, the biometrics platform uh, to a, a, a large data player. We built a, a, a platform called uh, List Genie and one called Rest. Uh, List Genie had many of the, the components of Ziskit. Uh, it also allowed you to uh, shop and pick up at the customer service desk. So shop online uh, and uh, and pick up at the customer service desk as a, as a major feature that we were pushing back in 2012 and 2013. We pitched this to a lot of the major retailers, including the ones in, in Bentonville, Arkansas. And the feedback we got is we don't ever see a time where people will shop online and pick up at the customer service desk. <laughs> Fast forward to 2019, and that's exactly what's happening. So we were a little bit ahead of our time back when we first conceived of the concept. But when the pandemic hit, what we were hit with is new segments that we never expected to see in the e grocery space and that's baby boomers uh, because baby boomers are in the high risk group they were encouraged to stay home and shop online and that's a large segment that many like myself never anticipated joining this form of shopping mm -hmm. so we had to go back and rethink the platform rethink our technology roadmap and bake in components that fed into the psychology of this new segment. Now, what do I mean by that? When we initially drew up the requirements in 2019 for the, for the platform, many of our order entry components were built around smartphone or digital uh, uh, inputs. The baby boomer segment's just not fond of that. That's just not it's just not what excites them. Mm -hmm. So we had to go back and rethink some of our roadmap and consider emerging trends around voice as a way to manage not only the order entry, but also to get back responses on your your auctions that uh, you would place on the Ziskit platform in order to fully um, serve this new and emerging growing segment. So that's how, you know, that, that was one big, big, big impact. And then COVID accelerated uh, the market. I mean, it is growing at 40% year over year. And by uh, 2025, they expect this segment, the online grocery segment, to be about $170 billion in value. In contrast to just grocery in general, but offline shopping at a six or seven hundred billion dollar market. So it 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 will if it continues to grow at that rate, we're talking about in ten years online shopping being the dominant 
way that people will seek uh, to uh, to uh, to get their products. Yeah, because nobody who set up an online shopping account over the pandemic is going to cancel the account the minute the lockdown eases. I mean, it's just <laughs> people can see how easy it is and they can see the benefits. It doesn't mean to say that they're not going to do a bit of both, but they're certainly not going to go backwards to how things were because they've committed and they've, you know, they've taken the step and, and become an adopter. So I just think that, you know, the things people do and the way people live their lives is, you know, it's changed for good now. And this seems like such a timely, you know, just a, just a, a really timely point for, for Ziskit to, to evolve and, you know, to come through. And, you know, it sounds like it's a really exciting year ahead for you. So I, you know, I can't wait to, to get you back on and, and, you know, hear more about it. Yeah, I think you, you, you're absolutely right. The, the timing now is uh, is is almost right. You know, not like the 2012 and 13 conversations I had, where they, you know, promptly uh, threw me out the front door and said, uh, "Don't come back because we don't ever <laughs> see this emerging as a way for for grocery retailing." Uh, we are at a point now where people won't look back. Uh, the benefits of being able to uh, order online are, uh, you know. People are, are, are stuck on that, and I hope that our experience makes it even better. Everyone has a master grocery list of items that you buy every week, and if you place that on Ziskit, we can you know manage that. I mean, imagine being able to take those 15, 20, or 30 items you buy every week and put them out for auction and having retailers contact you saying, if you buy these for me for the next four weeks, I'll give you a 30 to 35% discount on the total price of your list. That's something you don't have to worry about and 30% savings right into your pocket. And so it'll be uh, up to players like myself and others that are in this segment to make the experience like that, as well as give you ways to also give back. And that's something that's big for Ziskit. It's going to be like... We you... give shopping... I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, you need to go back to all these people that uh, you, you went to see in 12, 2012, 2013 and do a sort of Julia Roberts and just go back in and say, <laughs> big mistake, big mistake. But no, tell well, me... I, I'm, <laughs> tell I'm me. hoping that they'll, that they'll be a part of it going forward and, and, and we'll, uh, you know, we'll all laugh together as, as the health of the industry, I think, shifts when you have a platform like Ziskit providing new customers for stores that typically didn't get them. So with dollar stores entering the grocery market, drug stores, even gas stations like Quick Trip and others that are getting more and more grocery items, uh, Ziskit can be, be a new customer acquisition platform because if you have the cheaper price, it's going to show up and customers are going to come pick up those items from you and it'll be seamless and easy for them and seamless and easy for you. So yeah, I, uh, I, I love where I think, you know, we can help this, this industry segment uh, go by disrupting the way we think about shopping today. And like I was saying, I think we can do that and also do some good at the same time. Yeah, tell me, because I cut in with my pretty woman analogy and you were about to tell me how, how Ziskit, um, just to, to finish up, how Ziskit can, can help people to help as well. Tell me a bit more about that. Yeah, so we're taking a, a page out of the, the Dropbox playbook and giving people Ziskit dollars for referring your friends to the platform. 
those Ziskit dollars you can use to say pay for delivery if you don't want to pick up at the store or use it to discount your groceries if, if you have a, 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 a bundle of Ziskit dollars. But ways you can give back is donate those dollars to a food pantry. Those dollars donated to food pantries can then be cashed in to buy food for people in need. And part of our mission uh, at Ziskit is that each quarter we want to provide the food banks that are on our platform Ziskit dollars that they can use. And, you know, as we've seen throughout this, this pandemic, people from all walks of life have found themselves in a tough and difficult situation where they've had to choose between food and rent, food and medicine, rent and medicine. And if we can uh, use this platform in a way to allow people to give back to their local food banks, um, then uh, you know, I think we, we would have done something good with the technology that we're deploying. I love it, Mark. I love it. And thank you so much for coming on to the Platform Podcast and telling us all about it. I hope to, to get you back um, on again someday soon. Thank you so much, Elle. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Thank you for tuning into the Platform Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media at Marketplace Risk. Tune in next week for another podcast.